Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. Here we are with episode 27. I am Jimmy Trab. This is my show. Welcome. Uh, my special guest tonight is Mark Cutler. If you do not know Mark Cutler, um, he is a great and legendary local musician. He has been in a number of projects spanning from 1978, when he first started his band in The Schemers, and up until now. Um, there's a great number of projects that he's been a part of, and uh, I'm not going to be able to list them all because I probably am just not, not going to be able to remember. But um, you know, most uh, m- most famously for the Schemers and the Rain Dogs, and uh, his solo work just under his name. Um, one thing I did not know about uh, going into my talk with Mark was his um, involvement with the Same Thing Project. Uh, as well as a number of other projects, but that one kind of stuck out to me uh, mostly because in our discussion we we touch upon it, we touch upon what this is and, and what he's done, and then um, you know more about that that project and, and where you can find that those releases. Um, and uh, it really blows me away looking back at it now after our conversation is over, listening back to the to the discussion. Um, when I was doing my research, I I just didn't find it. It just didn't come up in any of my my searches and. Um, so I didn't know anything about it. Um, I just kept on seeing all the other stuff about the bands he was in, and uh, and that one is uh, is a really great one. Um, it really touched me to uh, to find out more about it and look into it. And it was a great project, from what I can see. If you uh, visit their website, which I'll provide a link for in the homepage, you can um, see the number of people who have uh, participated in it. Um, you know, from the from the local musicians, aside from Mark, that have uh, designated time to uh, to making the project work, um, to building all of those songs, to build that catalog, and the uh, record itself is out now on iTunes, and uh, it's a great great album. Uh, it's really great, endearing music. Uh, I really like it. I think that it's um, I think it's a wonderfully uh, touching and unique and uh, great compositions, really in in general. In, on the website, you'll see some stuff, uh, not only links to the music, but uh, some t-shirts that they have for sale. And obviously, if you just care to donate to the project, you can also do that, which I, uh, I encourage you to do so. Um, so if you're watching the video, I'm actually going to include a little bit of uh, a video from Mark's YouTube page. Um, just uh, doing one song from from that project. <clears throat> and uh, so you can kind of get a get an idea of, of what the what the work is like and um, where the where the project's uh, heart is as far as like you know creating these uh, these great songs um, also at the end of the video if you're watching I have included a small clip also again from Mark's YouTube page from uh, the Mark Cutler and Men of Great Courage uh, one of their songs Walking in the Night I believe is what it's called uh, that's gonna be right at the tail end so the video doesn't include much music, but the audio stream, if you're going to listen to it, is there, uh, all of the music. Um, if you're listening to the audio stream now, you will, will probably be listening to a very special track. Um, it's not the greatest quality, but it is a uh, vinyl playing of the um, two years of rock hunting from uh, 95.5 WBRU's uh, double album release from 1985. 
uh, little thing I found that I, I showed to Marco in our, in our interview, and because um, it had actually one song by the Screamers, uh, Satisfied, I believe is the name of the title. So uh, if you're listening now, that's what you're listening to. Um, just to let you know, uh, PsychicStatic.net is the uh, company that brings us to you, and their website is now up and running, PsychicStatic.net. Um, new records have been put up at the record store there, and we have just ordered new merch as of today. So hopefully by next week, maybe the week after that, we will have some merch for you, some uh, brand new t-shirts, and I'm really excited about it. I think that they're going to be great, and I'm uh, very anxious to share them with you all. So um, back to back to Mark. I never have been able to speak with Mark up uh, until this conversation that I've had with him, and um, and he doesn't disappoint. He's just a like wonderful guy. Um, Absolutely heartfelt and sincere. He is probably the most humble musician uh, I've ever speak, spoken with yet. Um, not to be disparaging to any other guests and other any other musician friends that I have, but just um, just the way he he just is willing to donate his time. You know, he's he's done a number of uh, charity and benefit shows over the years, uh, dedicating his time to the Same Thing Project. Um, He's just uh, an absolutely wonderful guy, and I'm just so pleased that I was able to speak with him. And I think you'll hear that in our conversation. Uh, we discuss Bob Dylan's uh, Street Legal album, released in 1978. It was the album that Mark chose. It's, uh, it's an album obviously uh, near and dear to his heart, and it was a pleasure speaking with him. I hope you like it. If you guys don't mind doing all the things you do with the internet, we would appreciate it. Find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I'm on there. Try that. It's not great. Um, and yeah, follow, like, share, subscribe, comment, whatever you want. It's great. We thank you. Enjoy. Thanks for, for, for agreeing to do this and coming on and talking to me. Well, thanks for asking. I, I really appreciate it. It sounds like a really cool thing to do. Yeah, have you done any other podcasts, or is this the first? No, this is my first. Oh, cool. Okay, but you are yeah. definitely a personality. I mean, like, uh, so when I was doing research uh, for you and for Bob Dylan, which is kind of daunting because uh, both of you have these huge, lengthy careers and like all of these <laughs> things that have happened. Um, you know, I found a lot of stuff about you. I found a lot of stuff about the uh, old bands and uh, you know, all the bands that you have been part of. Uh, you know, right. the induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of the, I'm sorry, the Rhode Island Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. <laughs> a little different. Stuff. A little it's different. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, but it's great, and it's uh, it was just a kind of a an amazing accomplishment, I think. And uh, your whole well, your whole you. career has been a great accomplishment. Well, and you know, it's it's been um, it's been very rewarding in its own way. You know, um, it's not what I expected when I first started out. You know, I didn't know whether it would go this way, large, this way, nothing. Or where, where it is now, which is very rewarding with helping people and still being creative and writing songs and, you know, affecting some people's lives, which is a, a, is a nice thing in a, in a positive way. So, you know, yeah. there, there's that. So right. there's not much more you can ask for, you know. No. And, no. And I, I enjoy what I do. And when I wake up, I'm, I'm happy to be going where I'm going. So that, that's a pretty good life, you know. I think so. Yeah. I think it's a great way to, to look at it, too. Yeah. Um, so let's go... Uh, 
let's just start a little bit at the beginning, I guess, because like I said, I was doing some research on you, so I, I learned a lot about mm -hmm. the, the bands you've been part of because um, I think you're, the first band that you were acknowledged for was the Schemers, right? Yeah, yep. And uh, I think you started in what, 78, was it? 1978, that's correct. Okay. Um, we started off as, you know, um, kind of a mishmash of styles because New Wave was just starting, New Wave and Punk were just starting. And um, but we 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 liked the Rolling Stones. We liked Sam and Dave. We liked a whole bunch of different things like Little Feet. Not that we played all those songs, but we were coming from all those areas: Bruce Springsteen, hmm. um, Free, you know, um, Bad Company, that kind of stuff. You know, whatever. Derek the Dominoes, and then um, and and we played like a lot of like old rock and roll and soul music. And we had a lead singer named Eddie Tabella, and he was Cape Verdean, so he was like, you know, he was like, like an African-American, big African-American man with a voice, like, you know, that was just so soulful, reminiscent of how David Johansson sounded in the New York Dolls, really, you know, really big, operatic, mm. and, and soulful. So we wrote, we wrote songs basically for with Eddie in mind, and then eventually I was writing a lot of the songs, and, and we started taking a direction... I listened to bands like the Flame and Groovies and Television, and um, you know the Clash, Ramones and all that stuff. And we started go getting more toward like um, you know the new wave punk, but melodic punk, not like you know um, not like um, Cookie Monster Boys punk, but like you know the punk that was like uh, you know coming from the direction of Joey Strummer and and um, you know and uh, Mick Jones and all those folks and more, more, more melodic and, and, and like the Flaming Groovies you know kind of echoing um, British Invasion and, and uh, Birds and kind of stuff like that and Tom Petty and all that stuff so yeah. then Ed, Ed left the band and I and I took over the lead singing chores and mm -hmm. it took me a while to get my voice strong enough to, to sing and after a few years we were pretty popular and got a couple of songs on local radio even just tapes not even singles yet and uh and uh we played the living room lupos our first gig actually our first gig with the with the schemers with ed was at lupos and we opened up for sam and dave and it was pretty tremendous to open up for these guys because it was the original sam and dave and it was their last gig they ever played together they broke up after that night and it's uh hmm. just a uh, pretty pretty funny story you know um you know not funny but you know pretty cool story to actually have played with them on the on their last performance yeah and you know and 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 we just you know kept growing throughout the years and and won a few um you know battle of the bands and stuff and put out a few records and you know and um the critics the local critics and some national critics liked us and and we played like you know down the up and down the east coast you know the northeast coast and you know it we made our living being in a band for a while, so you know that's kind of how how it worked out. Yeah, I, you know, and you know, and, and um, just kept writing songs and and kept living a band like a band life like uh, the Monkees or a Hard Day's Night. You know, we have all lived in the same house, and it really it really helped us um, become a tight band and, oh, yeah. and a family. You know, we were mates. You know, right. so yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's always the best relationship is that if you're in a band with people, it usually seems like it's family really yeah if not right, family right. it's like a it's like an intimate partner like like you know like absolutely it's it's your second half <laughs> right right and you know and, and there's good good uh points and bad points to it there's positives oh, yeah. and negatives you know it's like right. sometimes it's like you're married to four different people you know oh yeah with all, with all that in, it entails you know so 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so let me ask you, uh, so you already kind of like broke down a little bit of the history of the schemers. Um, I was going to say, let, let's go back a little farther. Uh, what was your, your first like musical experience growing up? Like, uh, what was the first instrument you played? Well, um, my next door neighbor, his name was Harry, his mother and father, he was an Armenian kid, and his mother and father played Armenian folk music. His father played the drums, his mother, his mother played the accordion. And we hear them hear them jamming. So I'd go over Harry's house and you know and fool around with the drums, you know, hitting the cymbals and stuff like that. But it kind of you know it hurt my ears. And I, I mm. wrote this little story one time. And then, then I tried to play the guitar. You know, the, they had an acoustic guitar and the strings, like you know, it, it was hurting my fingers. So after a few years, I, my brother, my older brother, started playing the guitar, and um, I picked it up again when I was about nine or ten. And I looked at his book, and I saw that, you know, the dot, that dot means a finger, that line going up and down means a string, and the line going across is a fret. And I remember playing my first C chord, and I went, holy moly, I'm, I'm making music. This sounds like a, this sounds like music. And I was hooked. And I, then from then on, I just played every chance I could play guitar. You know, I played my brother's guitar, and he, he eventually gave me his guitar. And he's, uh, he was my brother Carlos. He's uh, one of my biggest... Um, you know, inspirations as far as playing music. So, yeah. you know, then I turned my younger brother onto it, and uh, and my brother John plays bass in various bands too. So, you oh, know, cool. we're a family of musicians now. Oh, really? We get together and we, we jam when when we all get together. So that's a nice thing to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just started yeah. doing that recently again, actually, because uh, I have three older brothers as well, and uh, yep. one of them lives now in Portland, Oregon now. Yeah. So we don't see him often anymore. But uh, when the other two of us, the other three of us, get together. We uh, tend to have a guitar or two laying around, so you know, someone will play it, something eventually. It's so cool, you know. I mean, like, um, we, we ha like we're my, me and my brothers are the only ones left in my family, so it's like the music is like just so nice to have like that little like uh, access to to gather around. Like, you know, it used to be mom, it used to be my older sister, and when my parents passed away, and my sister passed away, but now me and my brothers we get together and we. My brother John plays the bass. My brother Carl has an electric guitar or a couple of electric guitars at his house. Whenever we drive up to New Hampshire to see Carl, you know, we get go down in the basement and play the guitars, and it's it's such a blast, you know. And it's mm. it's like um just a really good communal <clears throat> experience, you know, with your family, you know. It's yeah. just a it's a really good thing to do, you know. The older I get, the more I appreciate it. Right, that's great. So uh, so guitar was your first instrument. Yeah, guitar was my first real instrument. And I started like you know started bands with uh, you know my my grammar school friends and the first real band I had was in sixth grade we were called Gem and it was for John Eddie and Mark <laughs> and for our sixth grade graduation we did uh, the Pusher by uh, Steppenwolf into Born to Be Wild which was the which were the first two songs on the soundtrack to Easy Rider so that's oh, okay. how we did that then we did Let It Be and Hey Joe I think and then uh, you know and the teachers didn't even know. What, what, that we're singing about drugs and stuff. And to be honest, I don't think we did either. But yeah. we had a great time, you know. Yeah, and in seventh grade. grade, you know, I, I I kept kept playing and all that. And so yeah, and then yeah. Uh, and then eventually, um, so was, the Schemers was the first like real or at least established band that you you started and well, yeah, the first recognized band. Yeah. I mean, I played in cover bands and stuff like that. You know, and played gigs in in bars. You know, while I was in high school with with people who were older than me. But um, but yeah, the Schemers was my first band, my 
game that I would call my own that I yeah. started, you know. Right, right. And so you were saying how like you it took you a while to develop your your vocal strength. Yeah, so I mean, because I wasn't, you know, I I wasn't a trained singer and singing loud and not knowing how to sing, you know, like, you know to save your voice and you know I took some vocal lessons and stuff like that and singing for my diaphragm and using different parts of your throat and all that stuff. So yeah, um, and and you, and you gain strength just by exercising it, you know. So. Right. Yeah. The more you practice, get better it gets, right? Absolutely. So, uh, well, I actually wanted to ask you about your, your uh, so you told me about how you first started learning how to play guitar, and that was your first instrument, but what, what mm -hmm. music were you listening to as a child, and like, what did it progress into uh, in your teens? Well, I was lucky enough to have older sisters who had really cool record collections. You know, like, um, I remember listening to Highway 61 by Bob Dylan, <clears throat> listening, to, listening to the Monkees, the Beatles, you know, the Rolling Stones, the, the Rascals. And whatever was on, on the radio, the radio, I, I grew up, like, I was a little kid in the 60s. You know, I was, in 1968, I was 10 years old. So I was old enough to know music, you know, what was playing. And uh, just had a, had a great, you know, just through list, walking through the air, hmm. the music w wafting through, you know, like, it was right. just a lot, of, a lot of great music. Even, like, you know, whether it's This Guy's In Love With You by Herb Albert, which I, I mentioned on Facebook because that was the first song I heard after they, they, they announced that Bobby Kennedy died. Um, so like, you know, and then Creedence Clearwater, you know, I mean, and ooh. Jimi Hendrix, you know, listen to Jimi Hendrix, The Cream, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and then like in the in the 70s when I got into uh, junior high school, like the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East, and then, um, you know, and then, wow. you know, a bunch of like Frank Zappa, you know, although, you know, he, he's, he's a little beyond, beyond me, but, you know, <laughs> He's but you like it? You like Frank Zappa? Well, I, I like some of his stuff. I think he's a, a brilliant musician. Sometimes uh, the sophomoric humor is a little too much for me. But, you know, yeah. but, uh, Alice Cooper, David Bowie, Lou Reed, and then turning into the Velvet Underground and mm. all that stuff, you know. So, so you were just like, into it all. You were into all the good rock music from, from the day. It, it was a lot of good stuff, you know. It was all good back then. Right, like, and like, you know, and like, I and that's like, that was a blessing and a curse for me because I didn't get too focused on a style. You know, I know there's there's people who are really like, I'm I'm sometimes I'm envious of people who have like this really focused sound, you know. And I know like just by, you know, um, in spite of myself, I have a sound, but um, but you know, I, I there's so many things that I love that I w I wish I could be as focused as certain artists that I that I listen to or yeah. even friends in, around you know who were playing around, but you know it's okay. You know, but I, yeah. I, I do like to listen to a lot of different things. I, I like listen. I, I couldn't name you too many classical tunes or songs, but I, I love listening to the classical radio station because mm -hmm. it, sometimes it just like it really, really makes makes the world more beautiful. You know, in mm. some way. So, and I love jazz, yeah. you know, Coltrane and, and uh, Miles Davis and all those guys. So it, it's all powerful music. Everything that you're mentioning is all stuff that really evokes emotions. You know, I mean, yeah, jazz, yeah. classical. Um, right. Like I don't listen to a lot of classical, but I, you know, I sometimes do, and I sometimes kind of, I find myself wanting to play drums to it, especially. I feel That's like cool. like it's a really good percussive music, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I'm not getting around to that. I don't play anything much anymore these, these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so your musical background, you got all this classic rock around you. Uh, mm -hmm. Back then, what did they what did they call it? Because it wasn't classic rock then. That was just classic no, was rock, of rock, the era. rock music, rock and it roll, rock music, and roll, the hits, whatever. And then yeah. and then there was um you know when WBRU started, 
they may call it underground music, maybe. Maybe well, that's what it was called. Because that was the newer, the newer generation of music, right? That was the stuff right. that was becoming that was new wave. Where they or... were jamming and not necessarily having a three-minute song. Right. And although, you know, Bob Dylan, you know, Like a Rolling Stone was like six minutes long. And that was like, I think that was probably the first hit that was, you know, more than two and a half minutes long. Right. But, you know, but there was still, there were still great songs, you know, that were mm. two and a half minutes, you know, um, like I like even the oldies like uh, like when I when I hear I only have eyes for you, you know like from the fifties. Um, but it's so evocative and and there's a, a like a base of doom happening underneath and that piano and it sounds like the guy's singing it, but it sounds like you know he's he's hoping that this works out. He's he's hoping that please don't break my heart and there's this light and darkness going on there and it's just beautiful it's just like kind of like what a teenage kid's going through or what anybody who's when they're first in the first moments of in love with somebody right you know they're, they're like you know you have all these emotions you're really excited but you're really afraid right. and you're like is this person going to break my heart am i going to screw it up you know all these things i mean happens to people who are, are our age or my age whatever you know all right, right so it's a it's a wonderful feeling yeah for sure, except yeah. when it goes wrong, and then it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling. But it's something you need to learn, and, and you know, right, it's right. part of life, and it's uh, right. kind, of, kind of a good learning experience, I think, to look back upon something like that, something tragic and, and heart, heartbreaking like that. It's, it's a good thing to, to, to look back on and, and know and draw experience from. And you haven't lived unless you felt those, those oh, things, you know? So right. that's what, you know, it's always a good thing, right. as long as you learn, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you you know some and you might learn and still make the mistake so that's fine you know we just keep you know get as long I always tell my son you know not and it's a cliche but it's not how many times you fall down it's how many times you get up so hmm. you know, that's that's what it's about that's a good one I'll remember yeah. that one uh, so um, so now I'd like to talk a little bit about the record that you chose because uh, yeah. you chose Bob Dylan's uh, Street Legal yes now. I have a lot of questions about that because now, like I, I was saying before, I hope I have answers for you. Well, I mean, I don't, not, nothing like specific. I mean, it's it's all yeah. it's all opinionated. It's all you know, just yeah. whatever you feel about it. But um, so Bob Dylan's got this huge long career, and mm -hmm. the record that you chose was Street Legal, which came out in '78. Now that's actually the same year that the Schemer started. So right, did you true. so did you pick that up like when it came out, or was this something that hit you later on in life? No, I, I picked it up the the day it came out. And it was, this was like, WBRU was such a great thing to have in our community. They played, they played the hell out of this album. And they played like a few songs that like, to me, they were hits. They, yeah. they aren't hits, but they played a lot of this record. Oh. And then Bob Dylan came, came to the Providence Civic Center, which is now the Dunk. Right. Uh, and, and on this tour, and he played this album. And it was a great concert, and you know, and there was something about this record that I, what I really liked about this record, is that it had a really earthy sound, you know, like, um, and you know, I, I, I love, I love all of his stuff before, and if you think of like Desire, mm -hmm. and Blood on the Tracks, they had like um, a, a kind of a, a reverb sound and a produced sound. This one doesn't sound as produced, and. And yet, people like think this was like he was trying to be slick here, and like I don't know, I, I don't, I don't hear slickness in it. I, I hear, I hear someone like getting too close to a, like a dark place. Mm -hmm. And I think, and after this album, he went into his Christian phase. And I right. think during this album, 
he was, um, I think he was flirting with something that, you know, like that kind of like, or staring into an abyss that stared back at him, you know? Yeah, and well, so, I think that, I think this was a pivotal moment in his life because I think that there were two things that happened according to the research that I did, which, right. I, which I think is weird. So first of all, he, he was divorcing his, his wife. Right. They were going through a horrible separation. Right. Um, there's some, there's some, um, uh, Explicatives as, as far as like what may have happened between them, which <clears throat> is not verified, but it mm -hmm. sounds like a pretty nasty falling out and breaking up. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was also the death of uh, Elvis Presley, right? Which I think is strange that it had a profound effect on him, where he kind of wanted to create a record that was had a yeah, Elvis vibe to it. Yeah, and there are definitely definite songs here that I could hear Elvis Presley singing. Hmm. And and also he was going through the custody battle, you know, right. with his kids, and, and you know, and like so he was like distracted all over the place, and so how you know, I'm sure not literally, but you know, um, figuratively, all those emotions and all those all that energy went into like a lot of those songs, like you know, some of the dark lyrics and whatever, you know, like um, let me, let me see, like um, is your love in vain, right? Uh -huh. Like I could hear Elvis Presley singing that song with, with, with because it almost has like a sing-songy kind of thing. Da, 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 or is your love in vain? I could, you know, yeah. you could hear Elvis crooning that, and then, um, you know, and then because um, I just listened to the record again because I hadn't listened to it in a few years. Oh, but, okay. And we better talk this over. It's almost like a country song that you could see, like, um, you know, which we call it, um. Uh, not Jerry Douglas, his uh, his guitar player, that great, oh. great, um, whatever. You could hear the guitar player picking that and him singing that. And then the, the, the other ones, like, you know, there's there's a darkness in them that, like, I think is just, you know, Bob Dylan and, you know, and hanging out at the crossroads, you know, mm. wherever, whatever. Right. Know. Also, uh, heavy drinking, I think, for him at this point. Well, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with the separation, I suppose. Sometimes I haven't gone through it myself, so I don't know, but I can imagine. I have, and yes, <laughs> you have, and yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't. You know, it happens, and you know, get you, you get, like they say, uh, when you're going through hell, keep going. You know. Right. So then you get out of it. Right. Yeah, it's part of the the love and loss thing. You know. That's Again, right. It's a the learning experience. Yep. So now, uh, so it came out in 78. You got it on the day it came out, for the most part. You know, it's right around the same year, let's just say. Mm -hmm. um, now, that I don't think that that had a direct influence on what you were doing at the time, because you were, you were part of the Schemers and obviously starting mm -hmm. to still write music for, for them. Well, you know, Bob Dylan's always been an influence on my writing, though. You know, right. so like, well, he's a I'm, great songwriter. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. If, if you're in the world and you're a song, songwriter, especially like in rock or folk or whatever you know whether you know it or not you are affected by bob dylan just like you're affected by hank williams and all those guys you know because right. without them or muddy waters you know whatever those people are going to affect you but i was always a big fan of his since i was a kid so oh, okay. you know and um i actually like years later i wrote a song totally inspired by new pony <clears throat> called i'm not scared that was um a schemer song and we actually uh it was like a not a big hit or anything like that, but it was like one of our signature songs, and people knew us 
with that song in mind. And mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest compliments I ever got was when a, a musician friend of mine said, that reminds me of Bob Dylan's Street Legal. I said, all right, you know? So, you know, I mean, like this album is like a very, it's a touchstone for me, you know? It's, um, yeah. it's, a, it's a very meaningful record. And like, I know like it's, there, there are weak moments in it, but the, the powerful moments in it for me are just so powerful. And, yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. Now, it yeah. didn't get very good reviews, it seems, when it came out originally. Right, but, but it seems like people have come come around over the years, and now it's kind of heralded as you know one of his one of the touchstones of his Renaissance era. I love hearing that. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's about time. I wish he would. I wish that you know he would play some of these songs in concert, but maybe it just brings up too much, uh, you know, bad memories or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, like I know Tom Waits doesn't play um, certain songs before a certain period of time. Uh, for whatever reasons, but like, you know, like before, before he was married to um, Miss Brennan, you know, his, mm -hmm. uh, his, his, the wife he's married to since, since forever now. So, you know, and it's, you know, and he's, Tom Witch is also sober, so maybe he doesn't want to like associate with songs from his drinking life, you know, right. just like, you know, certain, certain authors and whatever. Yeah. Do you have, a, do you have any kind of uh, something that you, you kind of, uh, you know, eke away from? Um, I, you know, I used to like try to like just play new songs that I wrote, but you know, I like, I enjoy playing my songs, you know, and, and yeah. I don't have any, um, you know, I don't have any really bad demons from, um, from so bad demon memories from my songs. You yeah, know? no hangups from like, I just have demon memories from deeds, you know, so <laughs> and try to fix those, you know. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to relive those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's good to learn from, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always learning. Mm -hmm. So, um, what was I going to say about that? So, uh, you actually touched on one, one of the things, that, things I was going to ask is that you actually had um, a lot of Dylan music in your life since you were a child. So, it's not like mm -hmm. 78 was the first time you got turned on to him. Right. Because I right. can imagine how um, anyone getting turned on to Dylan uh, that's a songwriter, that's going to become a massive influence. But oh, you sure. kind of already had them there in your pocket somewhere, and you just kind of. But so mm -hmm. something about '78 and that record specifically, kind of like imprinted itself on you at this like then and since, you know forever. Sure. So You're um, right. yeah. So so what was it about the record? I mean, I, I know we touched on the Elvis thing, like it kind of had a um, had a kind of an Elvis vibe to it. It was a um, it was a little, little more loose, I feel like. Actually, I think that a lot of Dylan records are really loose. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause... yeah I, and I, I think this is, that you're right. And I think also, I think what, what touched me about it, um, some of the songs, that there was an earthiness and a, a looseness and a bluesiness to it, like almost like a Stonesy thing going on. And when he played, when he uh, came to Rhode Island and played, he opened up with I'm Ready by Muddy Waters, which I thought was beautiful you know like mm -hmm. you know because like, i you know that was the first time i'd seen him play also and i always thought that he only played his own songs and then the fact that he opened up with a muddy water song you know it just blew my blew my mind you know and, and, and mm -hmm. the song i'm ready which was the first my first exposure to i'm ready by muddy waters was bob dylan playing it so i went back and i, I checked it out and then i became like kind of like immersed with muddy waters because of because of bob dylan you know and besides yeah. muddy waters being muddy waters you know, right. but like, you know, like, I mean, I knew certain songs by Muddy, you know, like, down there, down there, 
you know those songs. But then I got a little more deep into into his, his music, and, and consequently got into more Howlin' Wolf and, and stuff like that. Right. And so like that 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 concert and that record kind of just like you know st stared me into like uh, a direction that like, and it was it was almost like, you know a new wave not a new wave record but like a punk record or or it, it, i think it fit right in with the time because of the rawness of it hmm. you know like i listened to richard hell and richard hell's you know and television their records kind of sound like this there's a dryness to it hmm. and um and but there's also like um like they're polished players but it just so there's something sonically that's just a little kind of loose and chaotic Yep, yep, and, and and the sonicness and that loose and chaotic son, sonicness, it isn't pretty, but it's beautiful. You know, it ends up, yeah, like the way it all comes together, it, like yep. it, it, it's the whole picture in its entirety. It's not just the pieces that right, really make it right. make it whole. You know, like you know how the you know something doesn't have to be pretty to be beautiful. And I think that's this is a great example of it. Hmm. You know, yeah, and then uh, then like like you know a few years ago, Patti Smith did a, a cover of Changing of the Guards. Which I said, all right, you know, like, you know, I, somebody agrees with me, <laughs> you know, like, right. Patty Smith agrees with me. That's not bad, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, changing of the guard. Speaking of which, let's. Uh, I'm just gonna try to put on a smidgen of it. Sure. So now, Changing of the Guards, um, that being the first song off the record, um, now without really delving into the song itself, just the name there, Changing of the Guards, um, so with your, all your time in the, music, in the music history in Rhode Island, uh, have you seen uh, a Changing of the Guards, per se, in the music scene, and, and like, who would you say like is kind of carrying that torch of like, you know, becoming this, you know, uh, hardworking and like... Uh, successful local musicians or bands. Well, I think well, I've seen seen several changing of the guards. You know, from, yeah. from you know from the scammers and rational stabbings were around, and uh, high beams. Then Neutral Nation came along, and you know, they, they, and then bands like Lightning Bolt and uh, oh, that Six was Finger, much later. Six Finger Satellite in the nineties and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And then um, you know, Deer Tick. Sure. And um, the Silks, you know, those are the bands that I kind of gravitate toward. You know, during the 90s, though, I was living up in Boston, so I, I wasn't really much part of the scene that much. You know, I was playing up in Boston and working up there as a, as a software uh, tester. So, oh, yeah. When my cool. son was born, yeah. Oh. So, but yeah, there's been tons of changing of the guard. And, 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 you know, and, and at first it's kind of it's kind of a weird thing to deal with. You know, like you, that you're not you're not the uh, kings of the hill anymore. You know, right. but you know it's it's cool because like then you you this re that's not the reason you're playing your music or writing your music to be king of the hill. You're you're doing it for I think you're doing it for the right reasons. After for, at least for me, it's the, the right reason is to is just is to try to make something that that's good you know or right. whatever you know yeah you just and, make the and best. true right you make the best uh, art that you can make right right yeah. 
So that's that's what I do now, and and I, I'm the happiest I've ever been like doing what I'm doing. So yeah, you know, and, well, and working working with uh, you know different populations and doing um, songwriting workshops and you know you know helping people be artists. You know, it's mm. just it's a really it's a really nice nice um it's a nice life. So yeah. Now uh, yeah. you actually have something coming up soon that's uh, along those lines of like uh, creative like songwriting like songwriting in the round is it? It's called Healing in the Park, something like that. Yeah, Healing Arts in the Parks. Healing Arts in the Parks. Thank you. That, yes, that's that's. Uh, we're going to be starting that next week. It's going to be um, via Zoom uh, until uh, hopefully uh, the social distancing uh, eases up a bit, and then mm. we will be doing it at the Roger Williams National Park, which is like that little strip of land that separates the east side from from downtown. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of like on the bus line, something or other right, between right, North right, and right there. And I and I also do a, um, a, a program for uh, the Bay Spring Community Community Center in Barrington, and it's all welcome. The public's welcome. I do it on on um, Monday nights from seven to nine. It's another songwriting program, and we get like you know between seven to nine people attend each week, and we every week we write a song. And um, then um, once uh, you know the crisis is over, I'll be doing my uh, same thing project on Tuesdays at, at the Artists Exchange in Cranston, where, which is open to the public and it's free. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> we have we've written tons of songs and we put out one album called The Same Thing Project. And oh. on Mondays, I, I uh, when when things get cleared again on Mondays, I, I work at the uh, I do a songwriting program with a um, with an organization called People Incorporated, and uh, I write songs with folks who have uh, developmental disabilities. Hmm. So you know, it, it, I, I like working with like various populations. The same thing project is open to folks with developmental disabilities, but it's also open to the general public. You know, lawyers, ditch diggers, teachers, students, musicians. We all work together, and the whole. Um, idea behind that and well all the all the workshops actually the whole idea behind that is to uh realize that we all have more in common than we have differences and hmm. by by working together and, and writing songs together we, we're we're collaborating and creating something together and you know you'd be surprised at, uh, at the outcome and and uh and, and the feeling that's generated at the end of these sessions it's really um it's a magical feeling, and uh, that's probably the thing I'm most proud about. Like what I've done with music so far yeah. is creating these programs and and getting people to be. You know, it all all I all I want people to do is talk and, and talk to each other and be creative. And then I, I I have everybody at the end of the session, you know, say you know now you're a songwriter. You know, so mm -hmm. say your name and say you're a songwriter. Somebody asks you what you what you do, you can say you write songs. And, wow. you know, yeah, that's so, great. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It really is, you know. It's so it's, so uh, empowering too to, to have someone, especially if they don't have that thing that that's something that they say like you know, I'm an artist or I'm a pipe fitter or I'm an electrician. It's like to say, you know, I I never knew what I had. I never knew I had a, had an ability, and then mm -hmm. to walk away from a night and then say, oh, I'm a songwriter. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, James, is uh, every song that we've written, you know, the lyrics are so poignant and and so good. It's like everybody's create. We've created like this third mind 
from all of our minds, you know, or whatever. We created this larger mind and uh, imagination, and everybody just throws things in there. And you know, you might think that they're a bunch of disjointed statements, but then you put them together, and they create this this thing that you said that you didn't know you had before. So it's like it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And and just the spirit that's generated, you right. know, and not necessarily you know happy happy joy joy songs. But right. the, the feeling at the end is so um, satisfying and and, and um, happiness inducing. But right. like it's not right. like we we sometimes we write about heavy stuff. You know, we write about life and death and mm -hmm. what's true and what isn't true. You know, so you yeah. know it's it, light and dark and all that. You know, yeah. we 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 don't, we don't try to like uh, you know just make it up with people. You know, I don't know if you ever heard of up with people, but it was like you know like this. <laughs> you know, I, oh yeah, raise yeah. your raise your hands. Right, right. <laughs> it's not, I vaguely sometimes, that. but you know, sometimes it is. But you know, that's yeah. it's the moments like that. You know, right. So one yeah. one more question about this, and then, and then we can move on. But um, so, how do you um, in in these songwriting workshops, like how do you come up with the premise of a song, like who starts it off? Well, I started off by saying, "What do you guys want to talk about today?" Oh. And then some. There's usually enough people in there that someone will say something, you know. And sometimes it'll be a, oh. a sentence, like, um, you know, in, say in um, in the same thing project my friend Matthew, you know, he's a, I said, Matthew, what, what, what would you like most in the world? You know, just ask him a question. And he said, well, you know, Mark, I wish, I wish I had a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, that, you know, that's cool. You wish you had someone to love, you know, instead of making just a girlfriend, right. what he wants is someone to love. He goes, yeah, that's right. And then I said, well, what, what would you like? What are the, some of the things you want to do? you know, with, with, with your girlfriend. And we talk about it and we write it down. We wrote this really cool song called I Wish I Had Someone to Love. You know, and it, it's kind of funny, but it's also, it has like this melancholy and this, you know, the sweetness in it. It's on our um, same thing album. I'll, I'll get it to you. Oh, it's cool. also it's also on um, it's also on iTunes and stuff like that. But this is this is the uh, thing right here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would love to check it out. Yeah, I have. And I think I'm anyway. really proud of the record. I think like the songs are just really good, you know. And my friends Marika and Howie Stone, they're in their mid '80s, and they're the coolest people in the world, and they. They were part of the, you know, a lot of the songwriting process, along with like, uh, you know, kids, kids who were in, you know, ten years old, but and 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 also like authors and and 
people who have Down syndrome, people who who have you know autism, people who are guitar players, people who are doctors, retired doctors, whatever. You know, we're all together, and nobody. And the thing I like about it is nobody's all patronizing anybody. We're all talking to each other like equals. You right. know, it's not like you know, like oh, how nice. We're 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 the. Uh, where the uh, outreach program it's not an outreach program it's a it's an immersive thing you know right, right. and, and I, I took this course and um how to create um, a community residency from uh, the uh, music works on on Westminster Street Westminster mm -hmm. Street a few years ago and it was like you know a nine-month course and it was like it that changed my life it, it helped me like come up with my solid idea to create this program and I spoke to my friend Ray who was um the, uh, one of the directors at Avatar, and I told him about it, and I said, I said, you know, all I, all I need to do, and I wasn't like pitching it to him, we were just, we were writing songs together, and I was telling him about it, he goes, Mark, Avatar can, can help you out by underwriting some of this, and, and then, you know, that's what happened, and right. it started about four years ago now, we've been doing it for four years, except for this coronavirus uh, right. break, you know, hmm. yeah. so, you know, that's, that's, that's what I've been doing, and it's been a great creative experience. That's great. Fill, fills a huge void. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it, and it sounds like you're doing yeah. great work. Thank you. So I, I said yeah. I wanted to show you something. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it right now. All right. So I wanted to look into your musical history. I wanted to look into the catalog of the Schemers and the Rain mm -hmm. Dogs and all these other bands that you've been part of that I've missed. Um, and the Schemers don't have much online at least from the from your right. early era you never did any recordings uh, that really came out then did you right so um the only thing i could find which happened to be by luck and i have happened to be holding on to this for a year now was this thing holy moly you know, oh yeah, you see what okay. that is very cool yeah wow. so this I is a um double vinyl uh release wow. from wbru uh two years of rock hunting Wow. Yeah, and so it's a 95 WBRU Rock Hunt compilation. It's got the Dames, the Groove Masters, If Then, Go To, Kid L. Dean, MX, New Rules, No Secrets, Push Comes to Shove, Rash of Stabbings, as you've mentioned, Schemers, mm -hmm. The Shake, Tom Keegan, and The Language, and The You Boys. Yo Boys? Very cool. I don't know if it's Yo, Yo Boys. Boys or... yep. Yo Boys, Yo yeah. Yo Boys. Yeah, they were a good band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of uh, more garagey, punky, right? Right, right. Um, and that was actually a Dennis Kelly's band. Yes, it was. And he's Dennis is a he's a really good musician, and he's he's one of those guys who has like, you know, he's just got unbelievably cool taste. You know, like yeah. he's like if you, if you want to know what what's happening, he's, he's one of the people <laughs> to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I, I found this at like a Salvation Army actually. Beautiful. I'm so, glad the Salvation Army has has our music <laughs> well you know hey it's a it's a plethora for uh for a bunch of like uh oh, I, I love independent Sal, musicians I love Sal's place, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well it's just one of those lucky finds you know i yeah. mean you can you can find anything there i mean just yeah, I, I found actually um a first edition of death of a salesman but it was a death of a salesman from the book of the month club hmm. but it's still you know it was and i bought it for like a dollar 65 it has mm -hmm. the, the the sleeve and everything, you know. Like, but it's from the from the year it was published. But they had like just a, it's not worth as much because it's not from the original publisher. Right. But it was it was cool to grab it, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. They, you never know. You never know what you'll find. Never know. <laughs> so um, yeah. So I don't know. That just made me think of you um, when I when I started talking to you, and I was just like, oh, I have this one record. I mean, it's the only thing I have that has the schemers on it. 
Uh, so I wish I, well, I wish okay. I had more, but well, we all, I'll try to get some. We we put out a couple of CDs and and like later after the Rain Dogs and all that, we we got back together and, and recorded some stuff. So uh, oh. we have a, a CD called Remember and one called The Last Beach. You know, and uh, they're pretty good. You know, Wait, was that the original songs or were those new songs? Some of them are new and some of them are original. Oh, okay. You know, uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I'll look for that yeah. then. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but uh, from what I heard, I mean, because, you know, you have a very few, limited amount of, like, uh, live recordings from the schemers from the original era, like the 70s and 80s on YouTube, so I watched some of those, and, um, I mean, it's really cool music, you know? It's, uh, yeah, it's really there right along the lines of, like, the, the new wave scene that was happening. Um, mm -hmm. It's very... Um, there's a there's a heavy I feel like there's a heavy um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers influence there. Well, you know, I mean, yes, there was, and it's and it's also because we wrote into Bob Dylan, right. the birds, the animals, but you know, I mean, Tom Petty was definitely like when I heard him, I said, you know, that's someone I can relate to, mm -hmm. you know? and and Bruce Springsteen even, you know, although yeah. like you know, I think uh, more British invasiony than Bruce Springsteen was, right. you know, he's he's more like whatever I saw him. Yeah. You know, from the Wilson Pickett kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all right. So I listened to all that, and then um, I also, you know, you have your own catalog of music, which is a lot more accessible. I, I have an mm -hmm. iTunes account. I have an, an Apple Music account. So that's basically where I get all my stuff. So mm -hmm. all your albums are on there. So I listen to great. all of your solo records, and those are great. Thank um, you. Now I I find it really. Um, really interesting because you obviously have a lot of like good taste in music you obviously are, are willing to expose yourself to a lot of music uh for, through the through the generations you know from from what you originally were inspired by up until mm -hmm. like uh like newer bands and from the 90s and the, and the 2000s uh, and i actually could hear a lot of like this really weird influence on some of those records because those came out in like the early 2000s till till you know just so a couple now. years ago yeah yeah and um and I remember listening to it. I was just like, "This actually kind of reminds me of, like Dinosaur Junior." Like, cool. Yeah, and I was just like, and I, I didn't know if you would actually, you know, draw from them as an inspiration. But I, well, I thought I realistically, know, I don't know if I would draw from them as an inspiration. But I'll tell you, I, there are quite a few of their songs that I really dig. Yeah. You know, and I and I love like the the melancholy in a lot of those songs. You know, like they're loud and, and boisterous, but there's a sadness that goes through. Um, um, who's the lead singer? Jay Maddox. Jay Mas Mascus, it's like there's a sadness that goes on through there, and there's oh, sure. a yearning, you know, which is like you know one of my favorite kinds of feelings to convey too. Like I want, oh. I want, I want to feel yearning, and I want to convey yearning a lot of the time. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sap for a sad song for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, let's say, um, so yeah, I just wanted to say yes, I like those records. I have been listening Thank to you. them, and I'm I think, glad. I think that you're a great songwriter. You know, Thank I think you, that, you know, I appreciate that. Thank all, your, you, James. all your accolades are, are well deserved for sure. Thanks. And all the hard work, all those hours you put in. Yeah, you know, it's sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not so easy. You know. Well, it's not you easy know, being so, in a band, really. I mean, no. having to deal with all the personas and having to right. try to go on tour. Like you've done a few tours, right? Yes, I have. We toured for like with the Rainbows. We toured for like two years straight. You know, we're coming home for a couple of weeks after, and going away for a couple of months, then going away again, and it's it's tough. And you know, like I like playing, but touring is not that much fun to me. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. 
It's not as glamorous as everyone makes it out to be. No, it know? isn't. No, it isn't. But I met a lot of great people touring and stuff. You know, like I, I made lifelong friends that, like, you know, and you know, now that we have social media and stuff like that, I've been able to reconnect with them quite a few. Hmm. And that's you know that's nice thing. And uh, you know, I, I I I sometimes I wish that we had the social media around when I was touring. But right. sometimes I'm glad we did. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I think you appreciate your time more then, right? Because uh, yeah, because you knew yeah. to you knew to kind of like take it for what it was. There was no there was no going back. There was no you know follow ups mm -hmm. back then, unless you just kind of ran into the person again. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Sure. So uh, maybe we should kind of move on to a little bit of the record again. Okay. The second track is going to be New Pony. basically uh, almost like a, an old blues song where it stays on the one you know that one riff and the story behind it like I don't even know like like it's it's a what is he talking about you know he's talking about horses and stuff like that but he names the horse Lucifer you know and there's yeah. a great guitar part going on and and then he has to shoot shoot the horse because it, it broke its leg and then uh, then he's, he's got a new pony like, like, what are these metaphors for? You know, like, and then um. Well, well, he called. He refers to the the pony as a she. Yeah. So I think that the easy, the easy, uh, you know, connection there is that it's a it's a lover of some sort, some mistress yeah, maybe. Right. You know, uh, obviously maybe it, it's not necessarily a, a, a you know um, a positive song, but right. It's you know like the naming her Lucifer. Yeah. That. I can kind of see where he could be going with that. I mean, I think yeah, that was yeah, one of the that like, was one of the like, comments. I think that the devil, um, the Rolling woman. Stone, yeah, the Devil Woman, of course. Um, the Rolling Stone reviewed this record when it came out, and I read that review, and it was not positive. Like for you the most it part, was way too obvious. He wasn't like being oblique yeah, enough or whatever. Yeah, it just you know, it, I think they were basically like just trashing his writing style, saying it was just like. He's not really being very sensical. Like, there's not very many like you know kind of poetics going on here. It's right, right. Kind of really tongue in cheek for that, and. For this song, I think the lyrics are supposed to be earthy and not and, and literal almost. You know, like they they're not supposed to be you know like lilting or anything. It's supposed to be like an old blues song. You know, like. Um, shake your hips or whatever or king bee or something mm. you know except except it's like it's it's about you know it's it's it, there's bitterness in it you know and there, there's like darkness and you know it's it's by a guy who's um he's just he's, he's not in a happy place no <laughs> no enough. well well plus there's the um there's the whole thing that you know if this if he in fact was recording this while he was going through his divorce this could be the the new woman you know oh, yeah yeah because like uh, i just kind of came across a line of it here that says uh, she got great big hind legs long back long black shaggy hair hanging in her face 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody says she knows how to look. Look, fox trot and and pace. I think it's, yeah, she's yeah. Got big, long, big, long hind legs, long shiny hair hanging in her face. I love that line. Yeah, yeah. And then, then, then he's looking at the other one. Come over here, pony. I want to climb on top of you. Right. Okay. Exactly. I was just like, yeah, that sounds pretty. Yeah, unless he's into bestiality, I'm I'm pretty sure where he's getting at with the song. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty. You know, that's like kind of like um. There's a song by Willie Dixon that that Muddy Waters does. It's called the same thing. And you know, there's a what makes a man what makes the men go crazy when a woman wears her dress so tight. You mm. know, and, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, that, that song is just such a good rocking song. You know, yeah. it can get just really like, and then then the voices in the back, how much longer, how much longer? That adds like a whole new dimension for me. Like, like it's it just sounds like voodoo to me. You know. Mm. Yeah, that's the yeah. the chorus of the ladies, right? Yeah. It's like the backup yeah. singers. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So and then, uh, then there's one point in the song where one of the singers, their, their voice cracks, and it's beautiful. It's like when Mary Clayton's voice cracks in uh, "Give Me Shelter." Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So like, there's a she goes, "How much?" And then and her voice just like you know cracks in a beautiful way. Yeah. And I'm glad they they kept it. You know. Yeah. You see, like that's that's what I'm saying about like Bob Dylan and his recordings is that for the most part, through just about any record that he's done. Now I'm not very familiar with the newer side of this catalog, like anything mm -hmm. from the '90s on. I'm not. I haven't really listened yeah. to it very much. But from everything that I know, like he he keeps flubs, he falls off time. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're great songs. I'm not. I'm not discrediting him at all. I'm not saying that they're bad records. Oh, I know. But I just think that it's strange that you know there are certain people that can get away with a loose record, and Dylan is one of them. Because he's Bob Dylan, he's, and, and he's practically know, God. I mean, like yeah, the way yeah. that people like look up to him and, and admire him. You know, I mean. Well, I tell you, like the last concert, like the last time he came through Rhode Island, that was like a brilliant concert. He was so good. But you know, one thing that um that think about mistakes that I like. You know, I read Tom Verlaine in an interview. He was talking about there are these rug weavers, you know, from India or whatever, and. They make every the rug perfect, but they keep one mistake. They do one mistake on purpose, and that's to let to let you in. And that's these mistakes are like almost like he's telling us a secret. He's letting us in on the secret, hmm. you know. Which I, I I love that. I love when somebody is, you know, and it's you know, and that's my own own interpretation. But I think the reason he left the mistake in there, or the flub, is because it was. It fits in so nicely with with everything that's surrounding it, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, so you know, it makes to me it makes it more beautiful. So, yeah, you know. I agree. I mean, I I, yeah. I like the songs the way they are. I mean, I wouldn't have them any other way, really. Yeah, yeah. So now you, uh, in my research for for your your previous bands, uh, you actually did play a show opening for Bob Dylan, didn't you? Yeah, we we toured with him for a few weeks um, in oh, 1990, okay. 1990, I think, or ninety one. And we, you know, we we did like the the Midwest to the Northeast, and did, he smiled at me one time, and he, he didn't doesn't talk to anybody, didn't talk to the band or anything, and yeah. he put on some really great shows and some really weird shows, you know, and right. I think maybe he was like, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not gonna pretend I know what he was doing, but you know, maybe he was he just had to be in his own space. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's but I, always I, had this. He's always had this like air of like uh, this mystery about him, you know. I mean, yeah. like... and I, I heard um, um, let me see what was it? 
Oh, there was one, I read an interview with a guy who used to tour with them a lot. And he said uh, the reason he thinks he got to tour with them so much is because he, he and Bob Dylan had an employee employer relationship. He didn't try to get close to him. He just show up to the gig and, and do his job and you know say thank you see you later right. you know and like a lot of reason a lot of sometimes somebody doesn't make it in this band because they try to get close to him you know right maybe it's true you know I mean it makes sense because just because of the the stature that he has you know I mean mm -hmm. like there are so many people that would just want to glom onto him and just like hang on to his every little move right. and word. That can get pretty irritating, right? Especially when you're sure, Bob Dylan, right. because he's having, had... having, imagine having like twenty yes men around you all the time. Right. You know, that's that's right. gonna be sickening. And just know? complete strangers, you know, it's just like yeah. complete strangers that just want to like you know hang hang yeah. out and just kind of hear what he says and, and see what he does, and, and that's mm -hmm. basically it, you know. It's just like how boring yeah. is that for anybody, really? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, he he doesn't seem like the type that would really care to to kind of get to know people. You know, right. you get to know new people. Well, I and I can't blame him for being called, like, uh, this uh, second coming since you're 18 years old. It's, it's got to, like, it's got to do something to your brain, you know, something to your well, mind and your soul, you know? Yeah, clearly, clearly, because yeah. he, he actually finally did convert to Christianity just after this record was released. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, I was thinking about after the fact. I was just like, this is really strange, because he's Jewish. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard of a Jewish person converting to Christianity before. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I've heard of Christianity, Christians, you know, converting to Judaism, but that's strange. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think, like, he was, he hit on something here that mm. made him want to, like, you know, like, see some other light, you know, because I think he was hitting some darkness here that, yeah. you know, maybe he needed to, like, you know, his old religion maybe wasn't... He needed a new religion or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, but, I, I know, read an interview. I like to have that as my theory. Go ahead. Well, I, I did read an interview with him that uh, quoted him as saying that he, um, I forget what hotel room he was in, but he was in a hotel room on tour, and uh, he actually literally felt the hand of Jesus touch him and, you know, knocked him down and then picked him back up. And that's when well, he knew. Beautiful. Sure. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's just like, how realistic is that? I mean, I, you you felt it, whatever it was, that's the way you took it. Okay, that's cool. Or, in the, or that's what he said, at least. You know? Well, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like he's he's a, he's a good myth maker too. Right, you know? right. I mean, all, all the drinking you know, and, and maybe that's just a metaphor for what what he felt too. You know. Yeah, no, but that that's when that's what led him on to kind of creating all those those like gospel records that he basically and some had of those and, some of those are great. I mean, yeah, it's like um. The, the production and the songwriting and the musicians that played on those records. You know, imagine having, you have like Mark Knopfler, you have Mick Taylor, <clears throat> Ron Wood playing together on a, on a record. Hmm. You know, like, it's just so cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't gotten into those yet, but I, I do, I do know I'll experience them at some point. I'm sure that yeah. like, I'm going to come across them. As a matter of fact, the only Bob Dylan record I have right now is, uh, is this one, Infidels. That's a great album. That, I, that has Mick, Mick Taylor and Ron Wood. Neighborhood Bully, I love that song. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a while since I've uh, listened to this one, but it's the it's the only one that I have right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good one to have. Yeah, I, I should put it on again. You know, I mean, I, I, I have a record store, so I kind of just preview everything I get. And oh, that there one, you go. That one's been hanging what's, around. What, what's your record store? 
Uh, well, it's not an actual physical store. It's online only right now, but it's uh, Psychic Static, and I have a website now, so it's psychicstatic.net, oh, cool. and uh, and that's where this will live. So, great, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. We're gonna skip around a little bit. Um, sure. Next up on the docket is Baby Stop Crying, which was uh, the hit off this record, I guess. was a big hit in the UK. Right. It, it went right. to number one in the UK, but um, I guess it kind of floundered here in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, I think that, that's probably one of the songs. Let me see. And, and his voice is really good, and the, the call and response is cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I think uh, I was listening to this earlier today, and like, there's a couple of songs on this record that really, um, I feel like they really sound like one of his older songs, like... Um, like uh, Lay Lady Lay or something along those mm-hmm, lines. Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple right, of songs right. that I definitely feel like, oh, this is almost it's like right there on, on the tip of like one of the, his other classic songs. Yeah, and, but the production, as you see, as, as we've said, like it's so bare bones. I feel like even though like there's like a lot of instruments on there, the recording sounds like you know they didn't labor over it, over mixing it or whatever. Like they got the levels and and they got this raw sound and they get the guys in the room playing together you know right which which like i said is, is part of the aesthetic that i like on that record hmm. now um I, you know i think I, I think i missed something now what made you choose this record well it's one of my favorite bob dylan records right and like you know i and um you know i i think one of the reasons why, why i chose it is because i don't think it gets its uh its due yeah you know so okay. And I and I just you know this album has, has done a lot for me you know like it's it's this there's like there are four songs on here what listen one two which one three the four songs that I think are just masterpieces I like changing of the guard changing of the guards new pony um, mm-hmm. senor and where were you tonight those four songs are mm-hmm. just like they make this um totally work it worked for me but you know then I listen to the I like today I listen to the other songs because I I said you know I haven't listened to those songs too much and I want to make sure that I kind of like refamiliarize refamiliarize myself with them and you know there's some good stuff going on there and and I see like like the Elvis Presley connection and some of them. I see the mariachi band going on there mm-hmm. like no time to think you know I mean which we'll call it uh Los Lobos could do that song mm-hmm. you know babies baby stop crying you know, that's Nick, not Nick Cave. Oh, that's Elvis Presley could sing that. You know, among others, uh, Tom Jones could sing that. You know. Yeah, yeah. And is your love in vain? You know, that's like you know, like it's almost like a a misogynistic song. You know, like like he's he's talking. Will you cook and sow, make flowers grow? Right. You know? right. 
Let me, yeah. let, let me play a little bit of that one. But I could hear, I could hear Elvis singing that too. This is definitely the ballad. I mean, it's not, it's not like a like mm. a kind of like quiet, classic slow ballad, like a mm. you know kind of solo you know uh, acoustic. But right. it is certainly the ballad with the whole yep. band. Hmm. But uh, yeah, but like you were saying, the lyrical content wise, it's it's a little misogynistic. It's a little seems too like it's not a it's not an unrequited love. It's almost like a. Uh, well, he's like, he's. Are you going to pass my test? You know, right? Is, will you do this for me, or is your is your love for me in, in vain? It's like, you know, right, right. I think I think misogynist is, be, is the best word to describe it, like because it's in yeah. that main that vein of like it's this male masculinity, like mm -hmm. you know, overpowering a woman or or just kind of. Um, right. What's the what's the and, word you know he could be he could be halfway uh, uh, you know adapting a character you know just like you know being a character in the song, not necessarily reflecting his complete, you know, uh, idea of how he's looking at the world. But, you know, I'm sure there's there's the grain of truth in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure. I mean, it's all the way you want to interpret it, right? I mean, that's what songs mm -hmm. are all about. It's just, it's not necessarily what, this, what the songwriter is mm -hmm. trying to tell you. It's kind of what you pull out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a mystery to me, you know? I mean, I'm yeah. not... I'm not the, the big lyrics guy. I've never never been. Um, yeah. Even for Bob Dylan, I mean, like I know, I understand that he is a poet. I understand that the lyrics are, are very meaningful. Oh, I agree. I I, I, I know. I understand. And uh, and plus, I don't, I, I don't try. I don't try to like um, interpret them either because like, you know, they're. I just kind of like let them let them do whatever they do. You know, when I'm when I'm hearing them, sometimes it sometimes it's just the sound of the words that that, that do something for me. Right. Although, where are you tonight? Like, I, I think it's like it, when it's, there's a long distance train rolling through the rain, tears on the letter that I write. There's a woman I long to touch, and I'm missing her so much, but she's drifting like a satellite. You know, then there's a neon light ablaze and a green smoky haze, laughter out, out on Elizabeth Street, a lonesome mm. bell tones in the valley of lost souls, whatever, as she bathes in a fire of, or as she bathes in a something of pure heat. You know, like that's—he must have been like just on a roll right then. And yeah, this where, where is, she bathed it, in a stream of pure heat. Yes, there you yeah, go. Her there father go. would emphasize you got to be more than more street than streetwise. Street and he practiced what he preached from the heart—a full-blooded Cherokee. He predicted it to me. Yeah. The time and the place that we part. Yeah. No. Okay. You, you. This record is definitely part of you. Yeah. Are you, are you, <laughs> quoting, are you quoting all that from from memory. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't know all the lyrics, but I do know that part. You know, okay. It's just beautiful. And then, like, um, on Changing of the Guards, the line that, like, me and my friends, so, like, when I was in a, a band in Boston, we used to jam on this. I had all the lyrics. But this line that I loved, like, was, I seen her on the stairs. You know, for some reason, that, like, it's just so, that line just does something for me. And it reminds me of Joan of Arc when they shaved her head, you know, and all that stuff, you know. Hmm. So it's, it's just like these little snatches of imagery that like, you know, stick with you, you know? Yeah. And like, I mean, there's not much more you can ask for a song to do to you, you know? Like, Bob Dylan is great for, for those. Every yeah. record will have most likely at least a couple that, that yep. really grab right. you. Yep. And even like just, you know, like um, even a moment, like sometimes the, if you get a moment of that thing that, that happens that's beyond beautiful. You know, that's that's pretty cool too. And this I think for those four songs and I and it, all the other songs, they have their moments too. But these four songs that I that I like, there's something about them. And like Where Are You Tonight, it's almost like Lou Reed could have sung that too, because it's just like I don't know if you know music at all. Yeah. Like, whether if it's an A, it's just going to A to D, you know, and and, and they're grooving in it, you know, and like mm. they're just all locked in. And it's just like you know, does this nice linear thing and nice, like, you know, uh, flowing thing that happens in the song. Right. Just, you know, does it for me. And I, I like the looseness of that one, too, because I, I feel like that uh, he crafted the looseness as much as he crafted the song, you know? Hmm. So. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some other bands that you were part of, like uh, like the Rain Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, Another band that there's not a lot of stuff out there in, in the on the internet about it. Um, you know, right. a couple songs have been released, been only a couple like on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, so there wasn't a lot that I could listen to. Um, mm-hmm. you, died, you you actually had those records, the two records that were on released from Echo. Right. I'm sorry. Was it Echo or is it Record? Yeah, Echo Records. Right. Echo. Okay. Part of, part of Atlantic. No. Yes. So um, both of those records were actually pressed on vinyl. You actually. Mm-hmm. Do you have those? The, 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 I, I have I have a, a vinyl of um, the first one, which is called Lost Souls, and I have a vinyl and um, a CD, and it actually came on a cassette as well. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, uh, the second one, Border Drive in Theater, only came out on CD. But uh, really, I thought I saw yeah. it for. Well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe that, there was actually, like a European pressing. I thought I saw. Oh, uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And the thing uh, I. You know, like I was really proud and really, really loved about doing Porter Driving Theater is that we went to LA to record it, and so we met like we met and hung out with like a lot of uh, heroes. Like Harry Dean Stanton did a um, spoken word on one of the songs, and I went over his house and watched the Lakers, and you know, and, and then he came to the studio, and after the studio, he and I went went out for dinner and had steak, and you know, just hung out. And we're sitting in, in, at this bar eating, eating our steaks, and you know all these famous people are coming up to us and like they're looking at me like I'm somebody, you know, because I'm hanging out with Harry Dean Stanton. They're like, who's this and, guy uh, hanging out with Harry? That's awesome. He must be somebody. Yeah. And then uh, we, we had Iggy Pop to do a spoken word on another another, another song. Yeah, know, and, I saw and that they, credit, and, uh, and I can't studio. hear it anywhere. And then after that, his manager became our manager. So you know, there were a lot of cool coincidences, you know, and um, occurrences. Yeah, and it was nice to be like, you know, and nice to be in another part of the, the country where it was warm and 
you know, for a few months over the winter time. Mm. And so, you know, that was, those were great experiences. And, and the first record we did, um, we had, uh, and that was that one was produced by um, Don Gaiman, and uh, also we worked with this guy Phil Chanel, who um, is a brilliant musician, and uh, he uh, came up with a lot of the samples. And you know, like I look at it as an experiment that you know was partially successful, but maybe some little heavy-handed, you know, uh, sampling on that in there. Because I wanted, like, I was I looked at hip hop. I, I don't know if you're even familiar with the record at all. No, I haven't been I able to listen to it. Can't all right, find well, it. I'll send you. I'll send you like uh, some some uh, MP3s or whatever, and you know, and you'll be able to listen to it. Okay. But um, you know, I, I they they own their half of the publishing, and then the company folded, so like now the record's in limbo somewhere. Yeah. And maybe I'll maybe I'll just like you know, instead of asking for permission, maybe I'll just put it up there and. And then apologize, you know. <laughs> well, okay, that's up to you. I'm, I just want to hear it. I'm not asking you to to release it no, at all. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not putting you. You're, you're not implicated. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't. I'm not also going to use this in the in the podcast, I guess, because if I do, then maybe they'll. No, I don't worry about it. Be some kind well, of copyright I mean, thing, I guess. I don't want you getting in trouble. But yeah, don't worry I mean, about me. it's not a big deal. I can yeah. try it if you want, but. Yeah, I mean, there there are, there's a, a couple of songs on YouTube. So, um, so Rain Dogs, like, um, so that kind of came out of the ashes of the Schemers and then uh, Darren Hill's band, uh, right. Red Rockers. The Red Rockers, correct. And and um, a fiddle player Johnny Cunningham was in a band called Relativity. He's from he was from Scotland. He passed away earlier, like like what, twenty years ago. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And uh, and uh, you know, and um, so. They they got in touch with me. They heard some schemer songs on on uh, WBCN in Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and they asked me if I would be interested in starting a band. And I said, yeah. I, I felt like the schemers were kind of running running their course. Perhaps we weren't, but you know, I, I was kind of ready to to move on. So I moved up to Boston, and and you know we we worked on song our songs and and playing out, and we got our record deal in 1989. Recorded our record. It came out in 1990, hmm. and it did pretty well. You know, it sold you know about 200,000 records, and hmm. we toured around the country constantly. Right. And we toured with Warren Zevon, uh, the Water Boys, uh, Georgia Satellites, Don Henley. Not not the first year, first tour, but like um, you know, and Bob Dylan and all that stuff. And we, we played a bunch of places and all over the country. Yeah. And um, then we did our next record, which I which I wanted to like. You know, I wanted to experiment a little. I probably should have waited a few albums before I experimented, but uh, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to like. Uh, I looked at hip hop as folk music, and I wanted to like use all sorts of forms of folk music on the record. And I wanted us to make our own loops. I wanted Johnny to use his Celtic experiences to create loops for samples and stuff like that. Hmm. And and so you know we kind of did that, but some of the songs were a little little over the top with the sampling and. You know, and it would, I probably would have been better if we just stuck to the formula for our, of our first album, which was just the band playing. But I think the record company wanted to have like some kind of like um, gimmick or a book, so to get yeah. excited about. So I, I thought that was a pretty good idea, huh. and they, they did too. And uh, so we had Don Gaiman uh, that. But the first album was produced by this guy Pete Henderson, who was uh, George Martin from the you know Abbey Road. He was he's yeah. George Martin's engineer. 
Oh. And he also was, uh, you know, produced a whole bunch of great records and, you know, won a few Grammys. Right. And uh, he was just so, he was just so um, adept in the studio, like between editing two-inch tape to like just finding the right blend of the mixes and stuff like that. And, and just keeping like the, the good humor going on in the studio, you know. Yeah. And, uh, huh. and then Don Gaiman, who was a really nice guy, you know. Um, and Phil Chanel, who was, who was the uh, person who helped with the sampling and the keyboards. And, um, you know, and uh, we recorded at Dave Stewart's uh, studio. No, we, we mixed at Dave Stewart's studio in Encino. And, you know, that's where the Traveling Wilburys recorded and stuff. And Dave Stewart would hang out in the studio with us. And, you know, it was a nice Hollywood experience, you know, hanging out you yeah. know, in Los Angeles and, you know, living there for, like, you know, quite a few months and having a good time. So Sounds great. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a great experience, you know, overall. It like... was a great experience. You know, and, uh, and um, you know, but it, it, the, the, the touring... It, it can get to you after a while, you know, and, um, you know, uh, I, I, I wish I was just a little more mentally prepared for it, but, you know, it's right. cool, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't the thing, you know, I, I don't mind, I didn't mind touring and, and coming home after a few weeks, but doing it for two years, almost straight, was, was a little, little much, you know, was, yeah, so, I can you know, imagine, yeah, yeah, and we're not the Rolling Stones, so we're, we're now like you know, <laughs> you know, having the best places in the world all the time. Right, right, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, you know, touring is a whole different animal. Like when you have like massive tour support, you know, obviously you're making money. Obviously, you can get right. hotel rooms. Right. You're, you know, you can keep well fed, all that stuff. Like mm -hmm. you know, when you're like, I know that I had been in a band that toured, you know, not extensively, but you know, a pretty good amount, and it was all independent touring. So it was like all the money's coming out of our pocket. Sure. And it right. was like, you know, trying to crash on people's floors and like, you know, <laughs> the occasional gig would pay enough money. It would be like, yeah, let's get a hotel room tonight, guys. Let's not, <laughs> let's not. You know, we always had a hotel room. The, the record company supported us for that, but we never got to that next <clears throat> level. And, and, you know, it was just, um. Were you trashed the hotel room? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were actually older than uh, a lot of the, the bands that first put their first album out. So, you know, we kind of like. A little more grown up, although we weren't that grown up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you gotta take advantage. Late, of late, late twenties, early thirties, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the time I was I was doing it. I was like twenty six, I think, when I stopped touring. Mm -hmm. That's then, that's a good you know that's a good experience for you. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't I did enough bad that I was just like okay, I can I can go home now and stop and you, settle down. It's it's a it's a thing that you can check off, you know. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like being a merchant marine or something, except you're playing music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, the history for me is like, I mean, you, you were in a band starting in Rhode Island and gaining popularity when I was born. <laughs> you know? I know. I, so I missed it. I mean, like, you know, I missed yeah. a lot, I feel. And then, like, I feel like when I, when I started becoming a musician in Rhode Island and started gigging, I had no idea of this history. I had no idea of all the bands that were that had come around before me and that were actually these successful bands that were actually working, you know. Well, James, you know, James, that you know, that's really that's really cool that that you know it means that much to you because like you know, that's just that's a really that's a a really great sentiment for someone like me to hear that. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that that you uh, you know you care about that. 
You're welcome. I mean, because you guys were a good band. I mean, like Thank you. you know, if 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 the bands that had come, uh, you know, around the years that you were active, then like when the schemers first started, if the bands weren't good, okay, then like whatever, I probably wouldn't have even thought about it. But mm-hmm. you know, there was all these bands that were coming around that when I was a teenager, I was I felt like I was missing. You know, it's like yeah. um, like you had mentioned. Um, you mentioned Six Finger Satellite. I missed. I missed mm-hmm. them. Like I kind. I think I may have been at one of their shows, mm-hmm. but um, even like around that era, there was like the Laurels, and there was right. uh, who was it? Like uh, Boss Fuel. There was the. Um, I have some of their seven inches and ten inches over here. Um, mm-hmm. Ashley Von Herder and the Haters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Les Fav, right? Was it? They weren't they mm-hmm. from Providence? I'm not sure. Okay. I, took, um, I probably was up in Boston during during that time. Yeah, but I remember seeing all the posters, like all the artwork for for the bands that were yeah, playing. Yeah, on Thayer Street and all that. Yeah, for like you yeah. know sh- shows at Babyhead and and the Met. Oh, it's yeah. like like God, I wish I could go to these shows, but I was like 15 years old and I couldn't I couldn't go to the shows. I started playing the shows. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't play with those bands, so I it was just like it just just kind of totally missed, just didn't sync up. So uh, yeah. it's nice to kind of come back and like try to try to find those recordings when I can, you know, like um, who is it, the the Hydrogen Terrors and Medicine Ball and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I still have to find some of the records and um, and uh, obviously the Schemers I can get now because it's uh, you did the newer release. Right. Uh, Rain Dogs, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna hit you, have to hit you I'll up try, for that. I'm trying to help you out with that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can try to go to Discogs, I guess, and try to order it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't order stuff online. I try to get it from the source over here like right, well, I'll, I'll try to be your source my friend okay if you have anything laying around or if you are even if the local stores have it then you know I'll go to the stores locally okay you know but um yeah do you, you feel good I feel good yeah okay yeah well you feel I, good? I yeah I do I think that this was oh, great cool. man I really appreciate you, you taking the time thank to talk you so me. much James for, for caring enough to, to do this with me I appreciate that dude you're you're like a Rhode Island legend uh, whatever I just I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate um, being appreciated yeah well you know I also I mean I I thought that it was um, kind of happenstance that um, that you had that interaction with my son at his school you know and that's what kind of like reminded me I was just like, that oh that's right Mark like I didn't even like you know I didn't even put it together until how cool is that yeah until I got an email from the school and said that you know oh you know part of the itinerary today is going to be you know Mark Cutler sitting in, and they're like, you know, Mark Cutler is the local musician. I was just like, yeah, I know Mark. I know who Mark is. Like, like my son's gonna write a song with him. Okay. How cool is that? And you know, I have the lyrics somewhere around here. Oh, very nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. And so I'm, try- I'm trying to work on music with him. I'm trying to kind of get him more involved. Um, yeah. The, those kids were so good too. You know, like they just, they. I had all, all their lyrics just about when before I got there. So like, you know, and I'm just reading them. I'm saying. And it was for their friend who was ill, right? Right. Yeah, he was sick yeah. at home. It was so beautiful. Oh my God. Now, how is that? Who was that? Is that kid okay? I haven't heard actually. I don't I really don't yeah. know. Um, well, I hope he's all right, because that was a that was a really cool little thing that they did for for him. I mean, yeah. uh, how could you not feel at least feel a little better? hearing that you know right right Jesus. doesn't your wife work for the school department or, or? she works for, uh, it's actually her cousin oh, my okay. wife is a science teacher at bain for sixth oh, graders that's her my cousin, middle school her, that's say it again that's my middle school bain it's my my old school too oh really yeah oh wow <laughs> so yeah I, I live in cranston right now but, oh, okay um, but um yeah my wife's a, um, a science teacher at bain but her cousin's a teacher 
I, 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 the school your son goes to. Right. Oh, okay. How cool so that is was that? the connection. That's how you got involved with that with that school. Wow. Yeah. That's a small state. It is a small state. Yeah. <laughs> All right, James. I'm going to get going. All right, Mark. It's been a pleasure, man. All right. Take care, James. All right, Mark. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Written and performed by Jeff Robbins of 123 Astronaut. 